This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And these are the very important words for us also. It's so hard for people to say the two words to God, thank you, thank you. Even it's hard for them to bring themselves to say for the food that's set before them, the food that they have. Thank you, God. But this is the first roads of recovery here as Daniel takes this step when, he, when it says, the Most High God gave. That was, I'm sorry, I said that was the Queen Mother who said that. That was Daniel. Daniel said, the Most High God gave. The Most High God gave this to me. Last week I was talking with a friend of mine and he was talking about his wife and his friend, our mutual friend's wife, and he says, we lucked out in getting good wives. That's the way he put it. And, and, and he looked at me and I said, well, I don't have an Irish God. And the first road to recovery for a person who's far from God is just to say these words in verse 18. The Most High God gave. The Most High God gave me a great family. The Most High God gave me a good job. Jim is talking about his kids having children. The Most High God gave me grandchildren. The Most High God gave me a place to live in, a comfortable home, a good car to drive, a food to eat, good food to eat, a good health, a good doctor to take care of me when I don't have good health. That's the first road to recovery. And so Daniel is, is helping the king by saying, this is where you have to go. It's completely looking at, at life like James said in James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. What a beautiful picture. Cometh down from above. It's from above and cometh down. It makes us think of the gift, the gift from God. Everything we have is a gift from God. There's a great name, Nathaniel. Nathaniel, that means the gift from God, the gift of God. We should look at everything in, in our lives and say, that's a Nathaniel, and that's a Nathaniel, that's a gift from God, that's a gift from God. It's all coming down, and we think of that, of it coming down. The beautiful picture we have in the Bible of coming down is the manna. The manna that fell from the sky on the children of Israel when they were in the desert there. 
As it says in Psalm 78, 24, Psalm 78, 24, God rained down manna upon them to eat and gave them corn of heaven. Man did eat angels' food. Imagine that. And, and just imagine the people as they were in the desert there and they're going out and they're, they're looking up to the sky waiting for their food and the sky just turns white like snow and this bread falls down. And imagine one of the people just say, see that manna there? That manna falling down from the sky? Why, you know what that is? That's every good gift and every perfect gift from above coming down from the Father of lights. And the other beautiful picture we have of this coming down, the gift from the Father above, is provided for us in the history between Boaz and Ruth. Boaz knew that Ruth was going to be in the fields taking up what the harvesters dropped when they were harvesting. And so Boaz wanted to, for Ruth to be able to, to collect a good amount of food. So Boaz gives this commandment to his harvesters in Ruth 2.16. Ruth 2.16, Boaz says, let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. And that's what the harvesters did. They did just that. We can picture that, the picture of the harvesters and they're saying to themselves, okay, Ruth is behind you right now. And that harvester said, yes, Ruth is behind me right now. So you drop an extra handful to her. And we see those harvesters taking this handful in their hand and say, this is for Ruth. And they drop it down strategically in a place where she's going to find it. And when she finds it, she says, oh, this is great. Just look at this big handful of food that I found on the ground here. And Ruth didn't say, I lucked out. She, she said, thank God. Thank God for this. And the amazing thing about that is Ruth had no idea that there was a Boaz behind all of that, who had orchestrated that, who had commanded these handfuls of food to purposely drop for them to find, for her to find it. And that's the Daniel 5.18 lesson. Daniel 5.18, the most high God gave the heavenly Boaz. He sees where a person like Ruth is going to be gathering. And the most high God commands, as Boaz did, gifts to be found by that person. That's the first road to recovery from a person far from God. It's the most high God gave. And this is what Daniel's doing with King Belshazzar. He's helping him to, to get on the right road when he says this to him. And then he goes on. He goes on in verse 18 and he, and he talks about Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, thy grandfather. And when he does that, he brings to Belshazzar's mind the memories, the history of his grandfather. He had a grandfather named Nebuchadnezzar. Bel this was Belshazzar's grandfather. A grandfather who knew. A grandfather who took him up on his knee, we can imagine, and telling him firsthand what happened to him when the Most High God humbled him. A grandfather who told his grandson, Belshazzar, the most important lessons that he learned in life. As he put him on his knee, he said to his grandson in Daniel 2.47, Daniel 2.47, he said, you know what I've learned? I've learned of a truth that God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings. This was his grandfather. And this grandfather, we can picture him putting a little Belshazzar on his knee and saying to him the words of Daniel 4.34, Daniel 4.34, when he would look at him, he'd say, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven. Mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, 
whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his own will. And he would go on, and he would explain to him how he was humbled by him, and then he would cap it all off by saying in, in Daniel 4.37, Daniel 4.37, I did this, he would tell his, his grandson, I did this, I told the world, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and all his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. So it's this link that Daniel is, is really drawing on between Belshazzar and his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, and Daniel is emphasizing this to Belshazzar in verse 18 when he says, Nebuchadnezzar, thy father. He calls him thy father, thy grandfather. He is making the strong statement to Belshazzar that Nebuchadnezzar represented to Belshazzar light. Nebuchadnezzar was light to Belshazzar. The light of a person who had been converted from the darkness of Babylonian idolatry to the light of the only true God of Israel. And Daniel is now going to read an indictment. This chapter is an indictment against Belshazzar. And he's going to, to arraign Belshazzar when he tells him what he already knew in verse 20. He said to him, when his heart was lifted up and his mind was hardened in pride, he was deposed of his kindling throne and his glory was taken from him. Verse 22, verse 22, again, pressing on this point of his relation to him. And thou, his son, O Belshazzar, has not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this. Though thou knewest all this. And he goes on and he explained it to him that he lifted up, Belshazzar lifted up himself against the God of heaven and brought in these stolen vessels from God. But he says, he says to him, I want you to know one thing at the end of verse 23. I want you to know one thing. I want you to think about one thing. We should think about this also today. And that is, God in whose hand thy breath is. God in whose hand thy breath is. The worst thing that he ever said, that Daniel ever said to Belshazzar was, Thou his son, verse 22. Thou his son, O Belshazzar. You have not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this. And he's telling him that, that you had light. And he's driving the point that though thou knewest all this, you knew this. Everything I'm telling you right now, Daniel was saying to Belshazzar, you know this. You already know this. And this shows us, because the judgment is coming, this shows us that a person is responsible for what they know. The Lord Jesus said, when he's talking to the people in John 15, 22, John 15, 22, if I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not sinned. He was speaking of his coming. He was speaking of how he has spoken to them. And he said, if he hadn't come, if he hadn't come, if he hadn't spoken, they had not sinned. He's not referring to original sin. No, of course not. He's referring to the sin. If I had not come and spoken to you, you would not have had the sin. There is one sin that Belshazzar was guilty of. He knew all this with Nebuchadnezzar. There is one sin that overrides all other sins, and that is the one sin that will send a person into hell to suffer for eternity. That is the unforgivable sin. And the unforgivable sin is the sin of rejecting. Rejecting the Savior who calls out to man with the gospel 
The gospel invitation in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. That's the sin of refusing to come to the Lord Jesus. The invitation of Isaiah 45, 22. Isaiah 45, 22. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth. For I am God, there's none else. That's the singular sin. The sin of refusing to look to the Lamb of God and be saved from sins. Proverbs 1.23, Proverbs 1.23, Turn ye at my reproof. I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. That's the one singular sin. That's the worst sin that a person can commit. It's the sin of refusing to turn. This is what the Lord Jesus was referring to when he said, If I had not come and spoken unto him, they had not sinned. They had not the sin. The sin of rejection. The sin of refusing to come. The sin of refusing to look. The sin of refusing to turn to the Lord Jesus. And because he said in his invitations, God has put out the invitation, come, look, turn. And they refuse, that's the worst sin. And the person who is making these invitations to come, to look, to turn, that's the Lord Jesus. It is the spirit of the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, called the Comforter. In John 16, 7, John 16, 7, he says, I tell you the truth, it's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comfort will not come to you. But if I depart, I'll send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Sin, because they believe not on me. Righteousness, because I go to my Father, you see me no more. Judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit is the one who is convicting the world of sin, righteousness, judgment, so that the world can be saved. The Holy Spirit is inviting. He is the one who is inviting to come, look, turn. And when a person refuses that invitation and rejects that invitation to come, look, turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, they're sinning against the Holy Spirit. That's the unforgivable sin. That's the sin for which there's no remedy. And the problem for Belshazzar is that he knew all this and he didn't turn to the true God that his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar did. For Belshazzar, his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar was light, just as the Lord Jesus is the ultimate light. And just as rejecting the light, refusing to come, turn, and be saved from the light, is what he talked about in John 3.19. John 3.19, this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Light has come into Babylon in the form of Nebuchadnezzar, who repented and made his proclamations. But men love darkness rather than light. Belshazzar loved darkness rather than light. He loved idolatry rather than light. And because their deeds are evil, because the proof was that he called for the vessels of God to be brought in and wine put in and, and so forth. Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. It's not simply a case of Belshazzar just not caring about the proclamation of the grandfather, that God of Israel, the Jehovah Jesus, that Jehovah Jesus was the most high God that towered over everything. Belshazzar hated the God of Israel. Belshazzar had Nebuchadnezzar in his family. That was his light that shined the way to God for him. Reminds me of a Japanese friend of mine in Yokohama and how he resisted the gospel 
And he kept telling me, Christianity is a Western religion. We are Japanese. But later, I learned that in his family, he had an uncle who became a Christian. He had an uncle who became a believer in the Lord Jesus. Just as Nebuchadnezzar was a light in Belshazzar's family, my Japanese friend had his uncle that was a light in his family. And for Belshazzar to come and, and look and turn to God, he would have had to turn his back on his sin, turn his back on the idolatry. But he wasn't willing to do that. He wasn't willing to do that. He wasn't willing to hate his sin and love the only true God. He wasn't willing to humble himself. For him, that price was too high for him to pay. He just wasn't willing. And we wonder why people today don't come to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's very simple, as it says. It's because they love sin. They love sin. They want to keep it a secret. They want to have it exposed. Now, we don't know very much about judgment and hell, and that's a good thing. We, we shouldn't. But one thing we do know is what the Lord Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty three. 23. Matthew eleven twenty three, 23, when the Lord Jesus said about Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, you'll be brought down to hell. The mighty works that had been done in you, that had been done in Sodom, Sodom would have remained unto this day. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. We think of Sodom with its sexual perversion sins, and we think, oh, they're going to have the worst judgment of all. But the Lord Jesus says, no. No, Capernaum is going to have a worse judgment than Sodom. Why? Capernaum never did the kinds of sins that, that Sodom was guilty of. Why should the judgment be easier on Sodom than on Capernaum? And the Lord said it was because the mighty works which were done in Capernaum, if they had been done in Sodom, they, they would have repented. It was because Capernaum had more light than Sodom. It was because the Capernaum was more guilty than Sodom of refusing and rejecting the light. And that's going to make their judgment worse. That shows there are different levels of judgment. There are different levels of suffering in hell. We don't know. We don't need to know. But the different levels are determined by how much a person rejects of the light. That's what it shows us. The, the worst person, the worst person that I would never want to be in the shoes of is the person who has been exposed to the most light. Maybe he's read the Bible. Maybe he's attended a good church. Maybe he grew up in a Christian home and he's rejected it all. That's the worst judgment for a person to fall into is to have been in a Bible-believing church, to be in a Bible-preaching church, to be the most close to God and then to turn away. That's why when a believer comes into a person's life and the believer begins to make known the gospel invitation and teach about the Lord Jesus Christ, immediately that person is either good news to the lost around him or he's bad news to the lost around him. This is what he means when it says, in 2 Corinthians 2.14, 2 Corinthians 2.14, Thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ, in them that are saved, and in them that perish. To the one we are the savor of death unto death, and the other the savor of life unto life. If the believer is doing his job, if the believer is talking about the Lord Jesus, doing his job, then God makes him, 2 Corinthians 2.14, 2 
2 Corinthians 2.14, he makes the manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. If the child's speaking about God, child of God speaking about God, then we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. Because the believer is a spokesman for God. And two cents, well, it's really one cent that comes, but it sends two messages to two groups of people. To the saved, a believer who speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ, sweet smell. Smells like life. To the lost, a believer who speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ, that's not a sweet smell. That's a foul smell to me. It speaks of death. And this image of the same savor, meaning two opposite um, destinies of either life or death, is taken from a Roman custom. In Rome, when a Roman general fought a really hard, long battle, and he returned to Rome, there was a parade through the city. And the general would be in front, and he would be leading behind him his army, his chariots. And chained to the chariots would be two classes of prisoners. Prisoners would be separated into two groups. At the end of the parade, there would be the one group of prisoners that would become slaves in Rome and would live. And at the end of the parade, they would live. And also, there was another group that at the end of the parade, those prisoners would be executed. They would be killed. And when the parade would first start at Rome, and as it began there, a group of priests would come out to lead the parade. And they would march in front of the parade. And they would be carrying these incense, incense pots. As they would go in front of the parade, they would be waving these pots back and forth, and back and forth. And as they did that, the air would fill with the smell of incense. And the prisoners knew when they smelt that incense, when the prisoners who were destined to be slaves, when they smelt the incense, they knew they would live and not be executed. But when the prisoners who were destined to be executed would smell the incense, they knew that it wasn't going to be very long before they would be killed. So the same smell, the same incense, sent two separate messages to the prisoners. To the slave group, it sent the message, going to live, going to live. Soon I'm going to be detached from this chariot I'm chained to, and I'll live. But to the condemned group of prisoners, that smell of that same incense was a savor of death unto the death. I'm going to die. Soon I'm going to die. And so 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16, 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16 says that a believer speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ symbolically emanates a smell that to the lost brings the message of a coming sentence of eternal death in hell separated from God. But to the saved, that same symbolic smell of the incense brings the message of coming life to be in heaven with God. This is Daniel in Babylon. Daniel, to the saved, to his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to the others, Daniel was a savor of life unto life, confirming that heaven was just around the corner after life. But to Belshazzar, Daniel represented a savor of death unto death. And that sentence of death unto death was written on the wall. It was written on the wall. And Belshazzar didn't know what it meant, but he feared the worst. And the natural feeling that Belshazzar has is, why? Why me? What have I done wrong? Which is the response of everyone who's cast into hell. There's this surprise about it all. From Matthew 7.22, the surprise, Matthew 7.22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, 
Have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That's a surprised group of people who say, Lord, Lord. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, you can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.